Welcome to SBL Perspectives, the pulse of school business. In the official podcast of ASBO International. The official podcast. And I am Dr. Jack R. Mitchell here along with the esteemed John Bricado. John Bricado, wow. Do we have a story to tell today? We sure do. <laughs> As I laughed, that little. Not sinister, but kind of like, hey, is he sneaky live kind of here? <laughs> um, this is uh, an episode that um, I think just echoes what we've been doing now. Um, 120 episodes over two years. Just the connections are so paramount. And hearing something like this, I think, uh, personally, I, I, I enjoyed it. So I hope that um, uh, this is like, but go ahead, John. I want to give it away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, today we have a really interesting conversation. We love sharing the individual stories that uh, all of us have and the unique stories that all of us have. And uh, we, we don't stop short today. So today we have Paul Bobick on. He is the Chief Financial Officer at West Des Moines Community School District. And not only do we kind of go into the history of the district and him as a school business official and some of those challenges that are on the horizon and that he and his colleagues are having to deal with, but we have a little bit of fun and learn yeah. some interesting <laughs> creative methods to maintaining grounds there out in Iowa. So we're excited to bring in this conversation today and here's our chat with Paul Bobick. Today on the podcast, we have Paul Bobick. Paul is the Chief Financial Officer at the West Des Moines Community School District. Paul, welcome to the podcast. We're happy to have you today. Well, thank you. It's an honor to be here. Paul, Absolutely. Oh, this is great. I mean, uh, now we're venturing into another state. And, uh, you know, we've been to, John and I were talking last week, we've been to about 14 states now yeah. in the U.S., um, talking to different SPOs. So now we reach the state of Iowa. And so we're really excited and uh, pleased to have you on. So uh, thank you again. So, Paul, you know, with anyone else, if you aren't familiar with our podcast, um, we always wanted to just get a sense in the beginning so our listeners can hear, you know, who you are. So if you don't mind, maybe just taking a moment to, you know, just tell us about yourself, right? You know, um, about your background, your experience really as being an SBL. Certainly. Um, well, I actually started my career in public accounting. So I've, I've come up through the CPA ranks. I'm, I'm not a, a trained educator. So um, I bring that background and, and also have the, the blind spots of not being an educator. Um, I have, uh, have had the privilege for about the last 30 years uh, to work for 10 different or uh, three uh, different uh, high performing uh, high expectation school districts that um, have worked out well. And that's kind of what brings me to where I am today. Wonderful. Wonderful. And I think when we talk about the high expectations and that kind of leads me to my next question. And so in a little bit of our research, uh, the state of Iowa and some other surrounding states are moving towards what is being called equitable grading. Can you explain to our listeners what that is exactly and how has that had an effect, if any, on your budgeting and, and budgeting practices? Sure. The, the phrase we use in, in Iowa, or at least in my district, is effective grading practices. And uh, as, as it's been explained to me, we're really trying to separate uh, student behaviors from the student achievement uh, aspects. And this, in essence, results in providing students multiple attempts um, 
to score and to improve their score on uh, student achievement measures. Um, do-overs or, or redos are, are often the, the phraseology we've heard. So um, that's kind of been my uh, big picture exposure uh, in, in understanding. I'm not doing it justice by getting into the, the great details. But as it relates to the budget aspect, um, this is change. And, and I think we all know how well-received change is and how quickly change is uh, adopted and, and implemented. So uh, we have uh, continued to provide professional development opportunities. Um, so that's really what has impacted where we are spending our time. Uh, that effective grading practices, PD, is, is our top priority. We know we only have so many hours um, in a contract year in a, in a staff member's time, so we are having to purchase uh, time outside uh, the normal school day or the contract year to, to make sure we get the professional development in. But from the big picture for us in, in Iowa, or at least my district here in, in West Des Moines, uh, it's had a, a slight increase in our professional development budget. Um, again, each of our States have different funding formulas and, and how things work. Um, in the state of Iowa, we have uh, recently passed by the Iowa legislature about five years ago something called a flexible account within the general fund. Okay. In short, what that does is it affords us uh, the opportunity to uh, reclassify some statewide categorical carryovers into the flexible fund provided we have provided all the programming necessary for that categorical. We've conducted a public hearing to let the public and the community tell us yes or no, and then take board action. So it does grant us some flexibility that statewide categorical carryovers um, can be utilized within the general fund for any general fund purpose. And that is another mechanism that has helped us uh, pick up any incremental or additional costs of uh, professional development associated with implementing our effective grading practices. And how long has this effective grading practice been around? And has it had any implication on negotiations with teachers unions and what the expectation is in terms of time dedicated to really implementing these new practices? All excellent questions. We, we really haven't discussed this specific topic at the bargaining table much. Uh, it does uh, get discussed within the normal context of uh, management uh, in the association, uh, monthly meetings and in, 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 in the relationship. Um, we've got some folks um, that have gotten on board and are implementing, and, and there are some folks that, quite frankly, are vehemently opposed and, and not in agreement uh, with the effective grading practices, uh, mechanisms, and, and how student achievement is measured and, and grades students receive. Interesting. But it sounds like the state of Iowa has, in some ways, met you halfway in terms of being able to implement this effectively and not have too much of an effect on your budget and kind of using that extra fund to, to kind of bridge the gap. That sounds pretty good. I mean, you know, you you really want to have that kind of support uh, in any situation when you're funding for schools and potentially you could have shortfalls, right? And then we're dealing all states with uh, the last year of federal funding from the pandemic. So um, it's great. I, it, I like to hear something like that, especially with Iowa having, having a setup for you guys. Um, and, you know, I guess maybe in talking more about the lines of what you, you introduced um, and that 
some things we didn't know about. Uh, but we did see earlier this year uh, Governor Reynolds' school choice bill. Um, and, you know, that's that was huge. Um, but maybe if you can kind of give us a glimpse into what some of the other impending changes coming on the pike, because it sounds like Iowa education is 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 getting is gearing up, and um, I know in the past you guys have been ahead of the curve, so I'm just curious, um, you know, Paul, what what other things may be coming down the pike? Sure, the as you've mentioned, the um, parental choice is is probably the big picture theme uh, through the governor's office and the legislature, and and the okay. first real big impact was educational savings accounts um, choice. In Iowa, we're funded on a per pupil basis. And what this legislative action did this year is make that same dollar amount per pupil available to accredited non-public schools. Uh, it's going to be phased in and implemented, implemented over a couple of year period of time. But um, basically, round number $7,500 per student will now be made available to the accredited non-publics. But I think we're still waiting to try to see what impact on student enrollment that we'll have in my district as well as any of the, the public schools. But I think there, there's some other issues that we haven't yet really discovered. I, I think we all experience teacher shortages in certain subject areas. Um, Post-COVID, we're, we're seeing an awful lot of, I'll use the phrase, burnout uh, from our, our, our teachers yes. and, and all of our employees. And with this additional money now going to our accredited non-publics, um, might they be able to pay their staff better? And therefore, will we have greater competition for that same finite, uh, outstanding teacher pool? So what yeah. impact might it, this have on us being able to retain some of our talented staff that, that we want working for us? Big question there. Yeah. But uh, one of the other changes uh, in high priorities of both the governor and the legislature this year, and I expect to happen going forward, is property tax relief. All right. Uh, this year, the legislature did implement uh, significant um, limits uh, as it relates to cities and counties. Uh, their property tax levies are pretty straightforward. Um, Iowa schools are not because of the way our funding formula works. Uh, they had some proposals um, that they plan to do for Iowa schools, but uh, the Senate and the, and the House were unable to reach agreement. So that uh, did not pass this year, but I suspect uh, it will be on the, the front burners next year in terms of uh, providing property tax relief to, to residential homeowners. Uh, this year, uh, we did have significant revaluation statewide, um, 10 to 30% increases in valuations. Wow. Even, even if you do maintain a, a consistent property tax rate. Um, Are they spreading that out or is that one year they're making that change? They do it every two years. So, okay. uh, yeah, they homeowners are anticipating significant property tax increases, mm -hmm. which only further supports why the legislature is, is working on the issue of trying to, to limit property taxes and, and yeah. cap government spending. At any time the state's trying to maneuver these savings for residents or trying to drive money towards non-public schools. The one question that comes up in my mind is where is this coming from? So my question for you, Paul, is if, if you know, can you share with with the uh, the school choice or their parental choice bill, is that new money? And I'm air quote right now. Is that new money being driven to these non-public schools or is money being peeled away from public schools to now diverted towards these, these non-publics? I, I wouldn't say the money is being diverted away. Uh, 
Well, I take that back. It, it is probably being diverted away because, again, we're funded on a per-pupil basis. So yeah. the way the funding formula is going to work, um, if, if a student attends a public school or an accredited non-public, the, the money is going to follow the student. That, that's the big thing is the money follows the student. So it, it's largely going to redirect. But some of the new revenues in the state's treasury will also be directed to help us support um, the the. Some folks will call it a voucher bill, but the educational savings accounts. Interesting. And, and I, I guess same question for the property tax relief. What, what does that look like for the average homeowner? And are they getting a, a check from the state to offset their tax increase? Or, or where's that money coming from? Yeah, there, there are already some mechanisms in place that uh, limit the increase to, to homeowners. We, we have assessed valuation, and then every year there's an, an element called the rollback percentage. And that attempts to... Uh, take into consideration the increase in valuation and not that entire assessed valuation is subject to the property tax rate. That mechanism exists in place, but I think they're also looking to try to cap what local governments, be them cities, counties, and school districts, are able to generate and really try to control expenditure growth. So we've seen some additional caps put into place for cities and counties through this legislative session. It's not that easy for, for Iowa schools, again, because of the way our funding formula incorporates both property taxes and the state aid component. But I suspect um, we'll have about a year uh, to research and, and look at ways. And I would anticipate in next year's legislative session that uh, begins in January of 24, we will see additional property tax Wow, it sounds like so much is going on in Iowa. I mean, you know, yeah, I a lot of moving pieces in, in the in the '90s, right? You know, you guys, or, or the state ranked in the top five academically, and I know, you know, now maybe more so being in the middle of the pack. It sounds like a lot of these uh, changes and reforms, and and really, you know, I'd say making it better overall. Um, these trends can maybe help you guys, but I'm, I'm more curious about the future now um, and what challenges maybe. They're being discussed there ahead in the future uh, for Iowa education. Do you have any um, glimpse of that? Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Um, as, as part of our regular school board meetings, each school um, building from their administrative team and, and their, their teachers present the student achievement data over the last three years, both in the areas of, of reading and math. Uh, unfortunately for us, uh, the results for our last three years for almost all of our buildings uh, have not been good. Uh, it's been on the decline. And when you dive a little deeper into the into our subgroups, we, we have an awful lot of work we need to do to catch up and really make student achievement improvements. One of the things we hear quite regularly is in the area of, of getting kids in the buildings and, and just getting kids to school and, and yeah. keeping them in. Uh, chronic absenteeism is, is a basic stuff. Yeah, we're, we're really dealing with right now. Mental health services both for our students as well as our staff um, are, are creating and posing some really big challenges for us. Um, okay. The mental That's health common. providing community um, is, is pretty limited. So uh, the demand for those services um, is, is going to continue to grow. And uh, I, I don't think the, the profession and the, the medical providers are, are going to be able to grow at the same rate we need them. Yeah. And have you seen an influx of of need and demand from, say, your teaching staff. You know, I think about the the 
equitable grading piece we talked about a little bit and giving students an opportunity to separate the the academics and the emotional social piece. What about teachers? Are you seeing a, a demand from your teachers union and, and more need for just emotional and social supports for them? Well, I, I think we have experienced that this year in the number of simple retirements and people yeah. exiting our employment. Um, in, in, our retirees this year is unusually larger than what a normal year is. Uh, we do offer early retirement incentives, but but the folks retiring that aren't even eligible for the early retirement incentive, they're simply burned out. They really? They had enough, and they're either going to exit uh, the profession or, or, or take some time off. And that uh, kind of caught us by surprise, but um, we haven't really had an opportunity to check too much with our, our neighboring districts to see if they're experiencing the same thing. But uh, we've, we've been told uh, some of our folks have just had enough, and time to leave. Yeah, it's tough. And I I think, you know, Jack and I have seen that across the board with those that we've spoken to. I Mm -hmm. mean, there is a lot of burnout, not just in the teaching ranks, but administratively too. I mean, there's a lot to balance. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess moving on to a little bit of a lighter subject, uh, we heard a bit of a story about you, Paul, and your district here. And one of our favorite pieces about hosting this podcast is really getting those unique stories out there to our listeners. So if you could, could you enlighten us a little bit. We heard that you mow your lawns. Something about mowing lawns, right? <laughs> like what? I know we, we all have grounds to maintain, but it sounds like you do a little bit more uniquely in, creative, in West Des Moines yeah. over there. So could you, could you shed some light on that for us? I, I'll, I'll try there. It, in Iowa, there's actually a, a couple of vendors and the one vendor that, that I'm aware of is named Goats on the Go. Goats on wow. the Go. And they goats raise, on the Go. I like that. <laughs> they raise goats um, with the express purpose of renting them out uh, to businesses, entities, and school districts uh, to take care of heavily weeded, uh, lightly brushed uh, areas. Um, the school district I'm, I'm familiar with uh, really has a strong policy prohibiting uh, pesticides and herbicides. Mm-hmm. And uh, they brought the goats in to uh, clear out some, some poison ivy and some really overgrown areas uh, without the need of, of chemicals. And um, a couple of other districts that I'm familiar with have, have started to utilize this approach as well. So, Wow. That's a natural cool. process. Goats on the go. <laughs> Just mowing a lawn from a natural animal without any, like you said, pesticides. That's amazing. I mean, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, I was I was cutting my grass the other day and I have some poison ivy on my arms here. Maybe I need to look in some goats in the go around me. Even in uh, some residential areas that uh, I've driven through, I've, I've seen the fences up um, and, and the goats are... Uh, Taking care of business inside the fence. <laughs> so they, they just this company just shows up, puts up temporary fences where the weeds or brush or grass needs to be attended to, and then they just let them go to town, huh? A- absolutely. And, and if folks want to uh, learn more about this, um, I, I, I know the uh, magazine uh, published an article written uh, by uh, folks from Iowa City Schools here in Iowa City, Iowa, that uh, used them for quite a few months uh, one summer to. Uh, mm get some things under control. That's pretty Paul, cool. that's so fascinating. Yeah. yeah. So, Paul, you know, you're so knowledgeable, uh, and I know you've been around for quite some time with ASL International. I, I'd like to know maybe if, you know, well, number one, how long have you been active, I guess, with ASL International, right? And um, in the areas in which you volunteer, only because um, I think, you know, we run into a lot of people that are non-members. So 
Um, I like to know what would you tell a non-member, you know, and just maybe, like I said, tell me, you know, what, what you've been to the organization, what you've meant for how long? Sure. Uh, Again, I came in from the public accounting ranks, and when I arrived at my first school, I I didn't have a clue. And um, my staff said, okay, this is where you need to be. We're signing you up for Iowa ASBO. We're signing you up for ASBO International. I got lucky that I had people that knew more than I did and pointed me in the right direction. Um, and I've probably been a member of both my, my state affiliate and international for about 30 years right now. Unbelievable. Wow. I've had the, uh, the privilege uh, at the state affiliate of, of being uh, the president of the organization. Uh, I've also had the, the honor and the privilege of serving on the ASBO International Board uh, a number of years ago. I've had uh, the opportunity to, to serve on a number of committees, facility committee, uh, the editorial advisory committee, and, and most currently I'm still the vice chair of our ethics committee. So it, it's, it's been a fabulous uh, experience. Um, and what would I tell uh, non-members? Wow, where do you start? <laughs> Hasbro International has been utterly essential and critical to, to my professional career and my professional development. Uh, the resources that exist are, are absolutely uh, vital, and uh, I wish I better appreciated it and recognized them earlier on in my career, uh, as opposed to uh, fully appreciating them later on. Um, if you're not necessarily on the curriculum or the instructional side, that's where ASBO International shines. Uh, not only facility or uh, budget and finances, but uh, student transportation, school nutrition, uh, the facilities, buildings and grounds, experts, resources, content at the uh, annual meeting, and, and then our leadership conference, uh, the leadership development uh, and skills that uh, are made available are, are just outstanding. The friends um, and, and networks and the colleagues that you meet, uh, not only uh, in your state, uh, throughout the United States, and frankly, worldwide now as we continue to grow the membership uh, globally. Yeah, that, that's so great to hear, and uh, we, we couldn't agree more. And I think the common theme we do here with membership in ASBO International and state affiliates is are those connections, right? I mean, you meet people that are in the same seat as you, but maybe taking the same challenges and approaches a little differently. So very well said, Paul. And, you know, as, as we wind down here, anyone that we have on the podcast, we always give them an opportunity to impart advice to those that are listening. So you've, you've had a storied career. You have some really cool stories that you've shared with us today. But if you're sitting with a new business official or even a business official that's been around for a long time, what kind of advice can you impart today? Um, get involved. Um, get involved in your state affiliate. Get involved in ASBO International. You may not even know what you don't know or you're missing, but you need to be here. Um, anytime I have asked a colleague anywhere in the world for a question or help or advice, I've always received it. Nobody's ever denied me. Even when we uh, have our vendor partners, uh, if I've reached out, they've always been there to help. And they're not pushing a hardline sales pitch either. They truly are right. a valuable resource uh, to help us do our, our day-to-day responsibilities. Good stuff. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Paul. We really appreciate you again coming on and 
like Sean said, sharing your, your stories because uh, that's what really makes us and this podcast is very special to our peers. So uh, we thank you. Yeah, and I'll have to look into Goats on the Go, so I appreciate the uh, the insight. You going to use it up here, John? <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> I don't know about it here. <laughs> Maybe that's, that's a new awesome. untapped market, right? <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, so thank you so much, Paul. We appreciate your time. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you again for tuning in today to SBO Perspectives. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with Paul and that Goats on the Go, Jack, I'm telling you, that's an untapped market around us. Goats on the go, right? <laughs> let's patent it out here or let's right. reach out to them. You know, just like that story how um, McDonald's got started, right? Exactly. <laughs> hey, we'll give you a million dollars and we'll just take it over. <laughs> <laughs> Start franchising some goats, you know? Right? Um, but yeah, this is awesome. And like you said, um, you know, the stories, again, I, I said it earlier, uh, it just, you get so much from this. Um, even a personal issues are now, you know, here's another folk that we can reach out to right in Iowa and um, we can see yeah. what's going on there in the state and get updates and just overall it's connected to us education and our school business uh, so yeah and um, I, I love what Paul it. said about just being able to reach out internationally when you're a exactly. part of an organization like Hasbro exactly. International and he as he said he was never kind of denied help or an answer there's always mm-hmm. somebody there to kind of lend a hand because you know when you cast a wide net like that you're going to get a lot of response and even in my personal experience, a lot of positive response. So I'm, I'm glad that he's yeah. enjoying his membership and all his contributions to the organization. That's the beauty of our profession, right? The yeah. family aspect. Um, we aren't competing against each other. We're essentially no, we're on the just same team. providing uh, the best possible education for our districts, um, wherever we are. So um, it's awesome. It's great, man. I'm excited. And so... Um, Hopefully, listeners will love it and uh, let us know. We're yeah. getting feedback. We're doing so much. We got so much coming down the pike, but um, don't want to give it away. We got a lot going on right now, but, uh, yep. you know, we, um, we'll wrap this up. Uh, yeah, this yeah. One. And we thank you all for tuning in again week after week. And with that, we'll see you next week.